Welcome to this Kupinger Coal Analyst Chat. I'm your host. My name is Matthias Reinbart. I'm Senior Analyst and Lead Advisor with Kupinger Coal Analysts. My guest today is Alexei Balaganski. He is a Lead Analyst with Kupinger Coal, working in his area of expertise, which is cybersecurity. Hi, Alexei. Good to see you. Hello, Matthias. Thanks for having me again. We want to have a look at a topic that we've covered in earlier episodes already. We want to have a look at how we should and can do cybersecurity more properly, more adequately in a world of changed communication that we are seeing right now. And this is really reflected in the way we do business, in the way we work as of today. We are no longer relying, and that has been said so many times, on a perimeter-based security so that we have a uh, the organization, the company with a firewall around that and a secure inside and an insecure outside. We are now working from home, from everywhere in the world, and every communication is uh, under attack, is endangered, is taking place in a hostile world. So no longer a perimeter. How can we do business? How can we do security in such a world, Alexei? Yes, Matthias, you're absolutely right. This whole idea that uh, our IT infrastructures are losing their perimeters, I mean, it's definitely not new. I think it started nearly 20 years ago, this whole notion of deperimeterization was already discussed before we had clouds, before we had or zero trusts and blockchains and other stuff. Uh, even back then, people hadn't uh, realized that uh, this idea that uh, you build basically a castle with a wall and a moat and you uh, keep everything uh, sensitive inside that castle and hope that nobody breaches uh, your wall. I mean, this idea was not sustainable back then. It absolutely doesn't work anymore nowadays, simply because we have don't have those castles anymore. We have no perimeters. We live in the cloud or in multiple clouds. We have people working from home. We have IoT fleets. We have uh, whatever connected vehicles and manufacturing plants and multiple data centers. It just your IT doesn't even belong to you anymore because you probably rent huge parts of it. So there is that's just that one idea. There is no perimeter anymore. Uh, a slightly related idea, uh, but fewer people think about it's the overall uh, increase in complexity. The problem is that complexity uh, does not increase uh, linearly. It actually grows exponentially. If you get, let's say, 10 times more computing devices in your network, the complexity doesn't grow 10 times. Perhaps it grows hundreds of times, if not thousands, because all those devices have to communicate with each other they have to communicate with external uh, people, devices, identities, whatever. So you have to deal with, uh, like in, in a corporate network of a reasonably large enterprise, you probably have to deal with hundreds of millions of potential connections. And by far, none, uh, like the majority of those aren't even necessary. They're just uh, additional opportunities for a potential hacker to get inside your enterprise. And this is exactly why uh, we are talking about this uh, interesting uh, notion that, that zero trust means uh, zero blind spots. Basically, you have to know what's going on in your network, right? 
you have to keep an eye, ideally, on all of those connections. The problem is that you cannot. It just does not scale. If you just say, okay, I will have my SOC, I will have a team of experts watching every connection, every device, and I will have absolutely full visibility into all those millions of connections, then I will definitely stay on top of the hackers. No, you won't. Just uh, you have way too much information. And again, 99.99% of those is simply unnecessary. And we have to reconsider and find an alternative approach to it. This is exactly what we are going to discuss today, right? Exactly. And uh, the first approach to um, making, to achieving cybersecurity actually was to to segment um to have a segment that really represents the the safe harbor, the safe organization, the the premises of an organization to make sure that everything that is inside um, is considered to be trusted, everything that is outside is considered to be hostile, and uh, that needs to be controlled. And there was a a ring fence that made sure that there was um, a clear. Uh, line between inside and outside that could be inspected and every connection uh, into this perimeter and out of this perimeter could be inspected. But that was just a starting point, right? Right. Well, uh, as you just mentioned, kind of the original way to segment your networks was just to have one segment, the LAN, right? And everything else was untrusted. And everything inside the LAN was implicitly trusted. It didn't work even back then. Now we don't even have a land anymore because we are working from home, for example, still, unfortunately. Um, then people decided that maybe we have to uh, configure an additional segment, a DMZ, where we would place some of our like uh, important resources which have to be accessed from the outside without actually giving full access to the land. I mean, again, even 20 years ago, it wasn't really that particularly flexible. Nowadays, it just doesn't work anymore. Then came this idea of doing a logical segmentation, if you will. First, it was based on purely like on uh, like VLANs and uh, like virtual uh, networks and routers. Then came the firewalls. So basically, people uh, tried to find a way to uh, build kind of tiny walls within your castle to separate one uh, department or one part of the data center, one specific application subnet from the other to, to keep those unnecessary connections uh, under control, right? So if you only have, let's say, uh, one single firewall and you have to channel all your external traffic to a sensitive application to so that firewall, that dramatically reduces the potential attack uh, surface. On the other hand, it, this approach alone kind of gets out of control quickly because nowadays large companies might have tens of thousands of firewalls. Of course, not all those firewalls are physical devices anymore. They're probably virtual, containerized, cloud-based, but you still have to manage them. And when you have a, a complicated additional infrastructure, you only need it for security and you cannot even manage that infrastructure alone. Well, what's the point of it? Uh, it doesn't actually add anything to the overall security. Exactly. And this is especially true as the way we are doing um, our work on a daily basis has dramatically changed. And we don't always have to talk about the pandemic 
this way of working has changed before and we are moving towards uh, working from nicer places than at home or the office. We think of working from, from cyber cafes somewhere close to the sea or something like, something like that. And we also want to be safe and secure in such an environment. So we, um, would like to consider ourselves being in a situation where we know that the systems that we are communicating with are secure and that they are communicating safely, but also we, uh, as we are users in that cyber cafe, in that co-working space, uh, can be consider ourselves as being protected, as our uh, device being safe, devices being safe, and. Uh, communicating uh, encrypted and securely uh, with our target systems, be they in the cloud, be they still on-prem if uh, this exists anymore. And um, this communication also needs to be well protected. So us being in a safe bubble and the systems being in a safe bubble, that is much closer to reality right now. Well, uh, what you have just described uh, does suspiciously sound like zero trust, doesn't it? Because you just mentioned, uh, instead of having one large perimeter uh, around the whole network, you just build a tiny perimeter around each device, each user, and so on. That's exactly like the primary principle of uh, any zero-trust architecture. That access controls to anything has to be per resource and per session. So in effect, uh, even before going into technical details of potential implementation, we can see that zero-trust is exactly kind of the right approach to actually logically segment your network in a way which was previously impossible. Because again, where you would have to deploy hundreds of thousands of firewalls and then manage them somehow manually, probably, now you would probably have like a tiny built-in firewall around every resource and application and device. Again, there is more than one way to actually implement it. Uh, and uh, Actually, we discussed uh, technical details in, in many publications we have on our website, in webinars. So basically, there is always more than one way to actually design a zero-trust architecture. And in a real-life scenario, you probably need a combination of all of those. My point here is that regardless of how you approach it from a technical perspective, logically, it's all about segmenting your network access to the point that uh, each object on that network lives in its own segment. And that alone uh, guarantees that uh, there are no more potentially open, uh, unnecessary ways to communicate between different resources we do not actually need to communicate. Because uh, your zero-trust architecture is designed on that another foundational principle, default deny. Don't trust anyone, always verify. So if you had uh, a flat network with 100 devices, probably like 10,000 of potential communication paths, now you would only have 100 devices, each with a tiny micro segment around, and you would only have maybe 10 or 20 open paths because all the rest is you know, closed by default. And this is exactly, uh, again, kind of goes back to this idea. Zero trust means zero blind spots. There are many ways to approach visibility. Security analytics, XDR, EDR, whatever. And the only kind of 
real future-proof uh, and proactive way to ensure visibility is not to see everything. It's to ensure that nothing which isn't worthy to be seen even exists anymore, right? And this is exactly the point of zero trust. Well, this is interesting because uh, th that sounds like we are introducing the the principle of, of least disclosure also into the way we protect our, uh, our our security, our systems, our communication. So we only let out the information that is actually relevant, and this we keep as secure as possible and as authenticated as possible. Um, but everything that is not of importance and, on the other hand, could I, uh, even be, be dangerous to, to disclose um, is, is left out, is, is hidden, is omitted from uh, communication in general. So the only thing that we need to make sure is that we decide what is important, what not, um, which communication is secure and where we can identify where communication is safe, where Uh, users are legitimate, where authentication is ensured, where encryption is safe and communication is possible, right? Well, again, if we kind of uh, uh, go back to one of our previous episodes about the principles of zero trust, one of those core principles is that you have to separate policy management and policy enforcement, meaning that you only have one single place where you define the rules who or what can connect to what and how and when and all other uh, aspects. And then this policy uh, should uh, apply regardless where, where it's located, whether it's uh, a SaaS application or an IoT device or a mobile phone or a legacy computer in your basement. Ideally, it should work uh, the same way everywhere. Unfortunately, I believe we are not quite there yet. But at least we have solutions which kind of already can scale or for thousands or tens of thousands of kind of dev uh, devices protected by the same way, if you will. And again, there might, uh, might be like application micro-segmentation solutions, which are basically tiny firewalls, uh, virtual firewalls, or maybe even built-in firewalls, which every Windows machine or Mac or Linux server have. Uh, along with a separate control plane, which actually manages and monitors all of those firewalls and distributes policies. And again, uh, if you have this uh, platform which just knows how to talk to one firewall quickly and efficiently, it can automatically talk to 10,000 of firewalls and orchestrate their uh, communications or actually kind of prevent the necessary ones. Unfortunately, as I mentioned, we have uh, such solutions implemented as quote-unquote traditional micro-segmentation technology. We have SDP, the Software Defined Perimeter, which basically does the same, but uh, through a different technology. So instead of a firewall, you actually have a point-to-point -point encrypted connection. But it's basically, it boils down to this, the same thing, allowing access to a resource securely and only on the kind of need-to-know basis. You can only access what you are allowed to explicitly. There are some other approaches. For example, the Google Beyond Corp is based basically on a slightly more sophisticated web access management, so-called identity-aware proxy, which is basically either allows you to access a web app based on an access token or not. So there are multiple technologies. The only kind of missing link is our 
control plane which could orchestrate all of those together. We are not there yet, but at least we are one step closer to the uh, goal because we have more than one way to implement it. So that sounds really like a, a concept, like a, a technology plus a concept that really um, is uh, forward-looking and that um, maybe also our audience wants to, to focus on, to understand more, to learn more. Um, what would be technologies and concepts and documentation to look at when it comes to moving forward in the right direction to improve this visibility, as you said, um, and to reduce this uh, disclosure um, of, of data and to make sure that um, you are on the right track moving towards zero trust done right. What would you recommend here? Well, again, uh, I would like to emphasize that uh, regardless of which technology you choose, and again, you probably have to use more than one, visibility comes at no extra price. The whole idea that instead of maintaining visibility by kind of taking an effort and looking everywhere, which you do now with traditional tools like Seams and XDRs, you are only allowing things that matter. And by kind of having explicit control over them, you automatically know about them. So basically you only see what's necessary and you don't even bother looking for things which aren't necessary. And that alone saves you probably 99% of the administrative and monitoring and forensic effort, if you will. Well, the great thing about zero trust is that by eliminating implicit trust, you are eliminating the need of well, implicit visibility, if you will. But uh, uh, back to your question, if you actually want to know more about specific technologies, of course, you can start on our website, maybe, because we have a lot of publications on Zero Trust. We have webinars covering specific technologies and even vendors. We are definitely working on leadership compass reports uh, in this area. So there's a lot of things to learn uh, at coopingacall.com. But of course, I mean, Zero Trust is such a, a major buzzword nowadays. You can find lots of information around. You have to know what to look for. Again, kind of, uh, explicit visibility, I believe, is one of those hidden gems of Zero Trust, which not many people talk about. Really interesting. And this is really also something that I took away from our today's session. This is really something that I learned from you today. This this visibility and to make the right steps towards that um, is really an important step. So a great summary also from your side um, to, to summarize this overall topic, which has a lot of complexity in itself. Um, but doing things right and having the, a, a grasp of the bigger picture really is of importance. Thank you very much, Alexei. Some final words from your th side before we close down? Yeah, uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, kind of, it might even sound kind of counter, uh, counterintuitive, but uh, with zero trust, you are actually uh, massively reducing complexity and massively reducing the administrative effort, not just because you are kind of eliminating the duplicated infrastructures and stuff like that or unnecessary security tools, but because you are centralizing management and visibility. And that alone will probably, well, your security teams will thank you for that more than anything else.
Yes, that really sounds interesting and promising. Reducing complexity, improving security through technology and its orchestration. Um, that is really a way to move forward. Uh, thanks again for that summary and for your insights here, Alexei. Thanks for being my guest today. And I'm looking forward to having you in an upcoming episode very soon. Thank you and goodbye.